this is the time of year that um, we need to regather ourselves. Not that any other time of year is not uh, important, but prayer has got to be uh, of utmost importance. Uh, it has been a, um, a beginning tra tradition, I shouldn't say an ongoing, but a, a beginning tradition that we started last year uh, of making um, this month a, um, the month of prayer. January is the month of prayer. So uh, all four Sundays in January, we're going to be focusing on prayer. Um, and, and the intention for this is to renew our interest in prayer. Um, some people will say, well, I pray enough. Well, that's fine. Um, but what we need to understand is we need to replenish our passion for prayer. Um, and our passion for prayer is directed towards God. Um, it, we're fed by His Word. We understand that His church has purpose. Uh, we understand that, that there are lost people that, that, that are out there. There are those who are needy. There are those who are broken. It's our job as, as the hands and feet of Christ um, to, to act. And a lot of times what happens is you hear a preacher say something like that, um, and then we just kind of go out and we just continue on in our, 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 our daily lives, and we're not implementing things. And the, the biggest thing that we need to understand is if we implement prayer into our lives every single day, your life is going to be different because when you're praying for someone, you, you really uh, can't hold a grudge against them. Or if you're praying for someone, uh, you, you can't help but, but want to help that, that, that person. Or if you're praying for someone, you, you, you can, and I could go on and on and on and on. There's power in that. In, in this month, what we need to do is we need to understand that uh, the God who, who, who loves us who has lavished his great grace upon us, um, wants to interact with us. And the way in which he does that is through uh, prayer and through reading of his word. So if we can just kind of get in a mindset in this new year, 2018, everybody uh, has, uh, I'm sure, said something along the lines of, of New Year's resolution or whatever. Um, what we need to just kind of pull back is let's not make things complicated. Let's not say, hey, I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to eat better. I'm going to do, let's, let's make it simple. Like I'm going to pray. If you're going to make a, a New Year's resolution that's going to change the entire trajectory of your year, Make it, I'm going to commit, not resolve to, because I hate the resolution part, but I'm going to commit, like, like uh, um, uh, Kurt started last week, this new beginning, I'm going to commit to pray. I'm going to pray every day. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to do that. Well, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But, but commit to pray five minutes a day, because maybe five minutes is more than you, you, you pray right now. So, Again, I'm not up here trying to make everybody feel bad. I, I just think that let's just be real. Let, let, let's be real about it, and, and let's see what, what, what five minutes uh, can do. And then maybe it'll turn into ten minutes, and they, maybe it'll go on into there. We, you still with me? Yep. yep, yep, yep. All right. God bless you. That was my wife. Um, you too. You can't throw anything at me right now. I know it. So as we enter into the season, this, we'll call, let's just call it the season of prayer. Um, as we enter into the season, there, there is one main text that, that I want us to um, uh, keep in mind. I want you to, to memorize this text. I want you to um, just uh, um, 
develop your prayer life around this text. There, there are many good texts within inside Scripture, a lot of good verses for us about prayer. Uh, we, we recite the Lord's Prayer. It's great. But well, what I want to do is, is over the next four weeks, I want us to keep in mind this text. And that this text is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Now, when, when um, the, the, the writer here is saying, let us then, uh, if you read back just a few verses, it, it says that since we have such a high priest, since Jesus Christ has done what, what, what he did, since he came and lived a sinless life, since he died a death for you and for me, since he rose from the dead, since he can pre- be presented, he presents himself in in front of God as holy and as righteous, since all of this happened, since he is our mediator, since all of this, that's where the then comes in, then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace. Understand that. Receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What are we going to find at the throne of grace? Mercy and grace. How do we approach the throne of grace? With confidence. What does that all, what all does that mean? That is a, that posture in which we should have when we pray. We should never pray, well, I, um, God, I hope you kind of can do this. That doesn't sound very confident, right? At the same time, we're not using prayer to manipulate God. God, give me this job. God, thank you for the... Here's the deal. We need to thank God. We need to be bold. We need to be confident, but we don't need to be arrogant. Because at the end of the day, what we have to do is what Jesus says. We need to pray in accordance with his will, with God's will. What is God's will? Well, that's what we have to understand and we have to find as we grow in our relationship with him. So as we go through um, the, the, the next few weeks and really the, this, this year, let this verse sink in. Because everybody, not, no, no one has to raise their hand, but I, I'm sure that, 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 that at least one or two of you have had a time of need, right? Yeah, the, the time of need, maybe it's right now. Well, what am I supposed to do? With confidence, we're supposed to go to God. With confidence, it's not, remember, it's not like tippy-toeing in there, but with confidence, we need to go to God. It's said that prayer has been called, like throughout um, church history, throughout uh, Christianity, history of Christianity, that prayer is the breath of the Christian. Is, is, is the breath. So think about that. If prayer is um, the, the breath of a Christian, in, in using that analogy, a body can't live without oxygen, right? Anybody think so? If you think so, hold your breath. And let's see. Somebody, I know there's somebody here who knows CPR. But a body cannot live without oxygen. And I will say this, um, a Christian cannot thrive without prayer. And again, I don't want to make anybody feel guilty, but I think there's a lot of people that would say and would be, I would hope would be honest, and say that, you know what, my, 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 my walk with Christ, my relationship with God kind of feels sluggish. At times, you know, it's self-centered, well, maybe you wouldn't admit that because you're too prideful for that, right? It's sluggish, it's self-centered, or, or maybe it's just um, a little lazy. Or I'll throw the, the word apathetic. 
if you feel any of that or at times feel any tinge of that, just think about this. Do that self-assessment. Well, am I feeling that way because my, my relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be? Why is my relationship with God not where it's supposed to be? Am I praying? If prayer is the breath of, of, of a Christian and the body needs oxygen, am, am, I, am I breathing? Am, am, am I praying? Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, and you don't have to turn there, it'll pop up, we'll be there real quick. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, when he's talking about prayer, he says, when you pray, right? When you pray. Look at that, verse, verse 5 says, and when you pray. So Jesus does not say if. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples, and he's saying, when you do this. This is not like something we can choose to do or we cannot choose to do, because uh, what Jesus is implying here that if you're not praying, um, Matthew chapter 7 says that there's those who are going to say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in, in your name, and we prophesy in your name. He's going to say, go away from me, I don't know you. Those are the same types of people he's saying, if you're not praying, there's something wrong. Now, now don't, don't hear me that everybody in here needs to question their salvation and, and, and go freak out mode. No, let's just, let's just assess the situation. Jesus says that we, we are to pray. If you're not praying, okay, you're being disobedient. But you can fix that, right? Yes, okay. Or do we just, are we all like on guilt-ridden, like, I can't say anything. Remember, no, we can. We can fix that. Why? Because the, 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 the Spirit of God dwells inside of us. So if the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, we can overcome any obstacle that is in our life, even if it is our lack of prayer. What we need to do is we need to take this time and we need to repent of that, uh, that prayerlessness. We want to be invigorated. We want to be alive to do what it is that God wants us to do. What we, what we see that, what in the world was that? That was a, I don't know, Dan, we need an interpretation for that. Uh, <laughs> What we need to understand is prayer is the life source, is the life source of Christianity, obviously from God, right? Do with me, do with me a favor. Uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. While you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to just talk about what is prayer, because some may say, uh, yeah, I, I, I pray, but not enough. Okay. That's what normal, um, good Christian people say, right? I've never met someone who has said, you know what, I pray, I pray enough. Yep, all the time I'm praying and it, it, it's enough. No, even Martin Luther, who was on his knees for up to six hours a day, said he didn't pray enough. So some people will say, yeah, you know what, I'm just not praying enough. Others will be honest and say, you know what, I, I want to pray. I, tr I try to, but I just... I just can't seem to do it. Okay. And then there's others going to be, be in the, the, the category of like, I don't really know what it is to pray. Whatever category you, you fall in, be honest. And if we're honest, that's where, where, where the, 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 the process of learning takes place. It starts. Because if you don't see that there's a problem, you're never going to fix that problem. That's what I love about Jesus when he comes. His first words were repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, there's a problem. We need to fix it. So if, you're, if we're here and we're saying, you know what? Yeah, there's a problem with my prayer life. Okay, well, let's look at what is prayer. And that's the question I'm going to answer real quick. And in this, this, this quick answer, we're going to then go to uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and, and look at what this means on a bigger scale. 
What is prayer? Uh, first thing is, prayer is conversing with God. So, so when we say prayer is conversing with God, what I wanted to, to uh, then highlight, it's an intimate interaction, an intimate interaction of the soul with God. So it's not something that I'm just contemplating because a lot of people are like, yeah, I pray all the time. I think about God a lot and I'm contemplating life or I'm meditating. And no, prayer is not contemplation. Prayer is not meditation. Prayer is that interaction, that intimate interaction with God. It's conversing. It's directly addressing him. Hear me because I think that what happens is we think that, okay, yeah, I'm praying because I'm thinking about God. No, prayer as described in Scripture is directly addressing God. Now, when you think about God and, and, and those thoughts or you say some things, does God hear you in your, in your, w- 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 through your audible uh, noise and in your head? A- absolutely, God hears you, but that's, that's, not, that's not prayer. That's not what the Bible says prayer is. It's intentional. Prayer has to be intentional. If it's not, I'm not in y'all's heads, but I've been in my head for 37 years now, and there's some crazy thoughts that go on in my head. And I thank God that those aren't prayers, right? Oh, am I the only crazy one up here? Okay, yeah. I'm the only... So it, there's intentionality in it that you have to address God. It's not like you, got to, you have to get God's attention like, woohoo, God, I'm going to pray. No, it's not that. God, is, his, his, his uh, undivided attention is on each one of us, which is just mind-blowing to think. But as a child of God, God, the Father, his undivided attention is to you so that when you address him, like, like the, we recited the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. It's not like he's like asleep. And, oh, 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 yeah, somebody talking to me? No, that's not. That's not what, what, what's going on. What is going on is that, that we have to cognitively, we have to uh, consciously say, I'm praying. Because if we don't, we kind of drift off. And, and, and some of you are like, yeah, that's my problem. I, I get it. Sometimes you, you start out and you have the best intention. You're, 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 uh, you're entering into prayer and you're, and you're saying, all right, I'm going to pray. I want to I accomplish this. Maybe you have your, your list out there. And then you start like, wait, the dog barked. Oh, what, what are the kids doing? And, and you get distracted in prayer. That's why we need to, to, to make sure that we're intentional. A, a little side note, I, I, I use little foamy earplugs. I don't know, you know those little things you... You, you, you mash up and you down in your side of your ear. Or if I'm at the gym, I put my headphones in and I put white noise on so you can't hear anything. Me, me ADD, it's like every little thing, shiny thing, whoa, okay. It, it's noise. It, it, you got to do what you got to do so you can intentionally meet with God. You're conversing with the creator of the world. You're conversing with the one who loves you more than you love you. For some of you, you're like, are you serious? I don't know if anybody loves me more than me, Right? But that's the one that you're meeting with. Now, like I said, it can be, prayer can be oral. It can be like audible. It can be mental. It can be occasional. It can be constant. It can be spontaneous. Or it can be formal. It can take many different shapes. 
The Bible talks in just a few examples of it. It could be beseeching the Lord. Like that's, you know, especially our, our big King Jamesers, I beseech thee, O Lord, right? Beseeching the Lord or pouring out the soul before, or your soul before the Lord or praying or crying out before the Lord. Or how about um, seeking God and making supplication or drawing near to God or bowing the knee? It could take on a lot of different forms, right? But what we do understand, what we need to understand, whatever form it takes, and this is key, whatever form it takes, prayer is supposing, and I should say presupposing, a belief in the personality of God. Now, now, now hear me, I don't, I'm not trying to confuse, but, but think about that. When, when you're praying, you're praying not just so you can feel better about yourself, you're praying because you believe that God is a person and He hears your prayer, Right? I would hope so. If you're just praying to get things off my chest, that's, that's not prayer. That's just self-gratification, just, making, just, just relieving your conscience. When we pray and we're praying to God, we're, we're presupposing that He hears us and he, he cares for us. The second thing to answer what is prayer, prayer is not only conversing with God. Prayer is fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, you cannot converse with God. Without, now, now here, well, yeah, I can. We pray to the Father, absolutely. We pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for Jesus dying on the cross, we could not directly communicate with God. Well, how can you say that? Because the Bible says that. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Think about this. When Jesus died on the cross, can anybody tell me what happened in the temple when Jesus died on the cross? The veil was torn. Can anybody tell me how the veil was torn? From the top to the bottom. Understand the veil was not just this eight foot tall veil. This was a 40 foot tall veil. And it was a veil that was probably anywhere between 8 to 12 inches thick. It's not just like your curtain. So it was torn from the top to the bottom. They didn't have a ladder or a man lift to go up there and we're going to rip this. When Christ died, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. What that was signifying was that Jesus paid the price. Jesus then, now, is the mediator between God and man. There is no separation between God and man now because we have Jesus. Without Jesus, there's separation. With Jesus, the veil is torn. So understand that prayer is a fellowship with God through Jesus. Because we can't enter into this like, if I just pray hard enough, God's going to hear me. Understand, we, we need to pray hard. We need to pray as if it depends on God and work as if it depends on us, knowing that it's all under God's control. But as we fellowship or we understand that prayer is a fellowship with God through Jesus, it's expressed in different ways. Uh, it's expressed in adoration. It's expressed in thanksgiving. It's in, expressed in intercession. If you're a, a heathen like the Cacners, it's expressed in imprecatory prayers. We're working. We're a work in progress, right? But through what we need to understand is through which all of this, the believer draws near to God. 
And when we draw near to God, we learn more of his will for our lives. So it's this fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. And and the outcome is that we learn more about who God is. Now, does God speak to us through prayers? There's a big contention about that. that, Well, God, this still small voice. Yeah, I I get it. I I, I really think that's the Holy Spirit convicting us in in different ways. But, But what I will say that is very clear, that there's no contention about, is that God speaks through His Word. When you take prayer, our communicating to Him, and His Word, His communicating to us, and we put it together, we know, we can know what God's will is for our lives. We don't have to wander around aimlessly like, I don't know what God wants me to do. Yeah, you do. You can. You, you really, really can. Well, but I think that, okay, here, how, how are you praying? How are you reading? How are you praying? How are you reading? Two, two easy questions. Not too good? Not at all. Not at all? Not too good. What, whatever. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to be Dan the Praying Man to, to uh, be uh, uh, engulfed in prayer. No, no, you just have to be faithful in prayer. And faithful in reading. That's communication. It's a two-way street. Too many times what we do is we just go one way. Or one way, we're just reading. Well, it doesn't work that way. If I only had a one-way conversation with my wife, she would not be as pleasant as she is today. Wherever. <laughs> I think that was a compliment. Like you're, you're a pleasant person to be around most of the time. <laughs> when I don't make you mad. Right, okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> So, so prayer, let's move to the third point real quick. Um, so prayer is, is, is conversing with God. Uh, prayer is fellowship with God through Jesus. And, and the, the, the big stickler, the main point that I want to focus on today in a couple minutes is prayer is an indicator of our absolute dependence on God. Prayer is an indicator of our absolute dependence on God. Think about that for a second. Because we can know that prayer is conversing with God and prayer is fellowship. But when we enter into prayer, when we truly enter into prayer, not this break glass and pray kind of thing, but when we truly enter into prayer, it's saying and it's expressing, you know what? My full dependence is on Him. My full dependence is, is on Him. So if, if prayer is expressing dependency on God, and how it's expressing dependency on God, it's positioning oneself. Now here, because you have responsibility. I have responsibility. Um, it, prayer is expressing the dependency on God by positioning oneself in glad submission to, I know it's a word no one likes to hear, but in glad submission to and in communion with, our source of confidence. Remember, we're with confidence we're to enter into the throne room. Prayer is, is expressing this dependency on God by positioning ourselves in submission to God. At the end of the day, if we are going to approach the throne of grace and say, God, move over, I'm supposed to be sitting on the throne, it's not going to work. You remember that video that we showed a while ago about the stool where it was a picture of Jesus sitting on the stool? And what it was, what it was displaying was that Jesus is to be sitting on the throne of our lives. And then you had that, that, that one character that kept on, come up and started talking to Jesus and started inching his way into the stool, trying to knock 
Jesus off the stool? That's not submission. And I know 21st century that we're all individuals and society says we need to be our own people. Here's the deal. Um, Just ask yourself, if you're on the throne, does your way work? How's it been working for you for X amount of years? I can tell you my short 37 years, my way more than not does not work. If I were on the throne, and I, I, I've been there, I've been thinking, yeah, I got this, I can do this. When I'm on the throne, stuff hits the fan, right? It's not until I, 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 I can say, and not only say, but act in the appropriate way, positioning myself under the submission of God, saying, okay, God, you have this. But not just saying that, acting that out. A lot of us have said that many a times. Oh, God's got this, right? Oh, I'm in this position. God, I, I'm trusting God for that. You're saying that, but you're not acting that way. We can say a whole lot of things, but until our, our, our actions back up what we're saying, we're not in submission. And, and I don't say that for, 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 for you to feel bad. I'm saying that to free you because you are a terrible God. I am a terrible God. When I try to be God and Lord of my life, it doesn't go the way in which it should go. Because I don't know all. I don't see all. I can't be everywhere at once. Only God can. So when we understand as we enter into prayer and we're in this position, we need to be in submission to God. This is why I wanted you to turn to um, 1 Peter chapter 5. I, I really want to get to verse 6, but before we get to, to verse 6 through 9, that, that's the main part. But before I get there, I, I think it's appropriate, being that it's the beginning of the year, um, to, to kind of uh, not, not set our minds at ease, but, but uh, give a, a clear declaration of what, um, as, a, a, as a church, you can expect from your elders, um, this doesn't have, it's not directly connected to prayer, but I think everything is indirectly uh, connected to prayer. But what we have here is a clear understanding. For, so if you're, you're sitting here and you're really like, what, what are the elders of the church supposed to do? Yeah, I know they come up here at the end of the service and they, you know, they're going to pray for people, but what are they, what are they to do? Well, let's, let's read. 1 Peter 5, verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you. So this is Peter. He's writing at the end of his life. He's done a lot of crazy things. God's restored him. He's now, he's a pastor of a church. And he's a fellow elder, as it says, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He's saying, so the one who I'm, I'm saved, I'm going to experience Jesus when, when he returns. I'm going to be with him one day. He says, as that. He says there in verse 2, he's talking to the other elders. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Why do I want to express that? Well, I think a lot of times you look at Dan and you look at Jake and you look at Kurt and you look at myself and you can say, all right, they're the elders. They're supposed to be doing what is right. And you're absolutely right. 
Why are they supposed to be doing what is right? Why are they supposed to be good examples? Because at the end of the day, we're human and we can be told a lot of things. And I used the example when I was talking to the guys this morning. I could tell Gabe how to change the oil in the car. Well, probably not now because they're all kind of goofy. Um, Kurt could tell Zach how to change the oil in, in, in the car. And Zach might go out there and be able to fumble around and break some things and come in and like, Dad, what are all these extra parts for? Right? He could tell him to go do something, or he could go out there and he could show him how to do it. The outcome's going to be much greater if, you, if, if, if Zach has an example of, of seeing how to do something. That's why God has put elders inside of the church. That's why, that's why we're here. It's not, as it says here, not to domineer, not to say, I'm an elder, you've got to listen to what I say. No, as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That should be our, 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 our motto. So am I, am I speaking to the, the elders right here? Yeah, I'm speaking to your elders, but I, I'm speaking to them so you understand the importance of your participation and their obedience. They're, they're setting the example for you. If you say, I don't know, you know where to go, right? And, and it says here that they're... This is not domineering over those in your charge, but being the examples for who? To the flock. Uh, There's something that that floats around in our our elders' meetings that we started a while ago now. And it's just a short little phrase, for the sake of the sheep. For the sake of the sheep. Why do we do what we do? Why do we make decisions that maybe they're hard or maybe they're they're easy? Maybe they're going to affect this? All that we do, what we want to, to focus on is how's it going to affect the sheep for the sake of the sheep? Sometimes we, we have to make those decisions. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes the, the God says, okay, this is what happens. It's, it's all, if, you, if you're wondering, I wonder why they do that. I, I can tell you these three men here and myself, we have your best interest in mind. Are we going to be perfect? No. Do we make mistakes? Yes. Jake is with us. <laughs> No, I'm just playing. No, Jake, Jake's a very, I love Jake because Jake does a very good job of pointing out my mistakes. <laughs> Seriously, are we going to make mistakes? Yeah, we're going to make mistakes, every single one of us. But that's why there's four of us, so we can keep and hold each other accountable. There's not just one that we're in isolation. We under, you have to understand that what we do is for the sake of the sheep. Now, why did I say all that? Well, this passage is just talking to elders. No. Because it says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So when, when God appears, when Jesus appears, he comes back, he's going to hold us accountable as your shepherds, as your elders. There's going to be great reward, but there's great responsibility. We don't take that lightly, and, and, and neither should, should you. It goes on to say, likewise. So this is where the rest of us come in here. Likewise. You who are younger, that's not, not necessarily meaning uh, numerical age. It could be maturity. There's a, a lot could go into that. You, it's saying that the rest of you, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. How can you be subject to the elders? Well, you can understand that they have, we have the best of your interest in mind, even if you don't think so. Why? Because that's what Jesus has told us to do. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves all of you. What's that mean? What's that, that word all mean in, in Greek here? All. There we go. All of you with what? Humility toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
We, we need to clothe ourselves with humility. Well, that's not a, a popular thing in, uh, in, in 21st century America. I, 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 I get it. But do we want to live to God's standard or do we want to live to the world's standard? He says, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Why? For God opposes the proud. If you're going to be in opposition to anyone, you do not want to be in opposition to God. Because remember, God is the one that said, let there be light, and the lights came on, right? What great feat have you done? Well, I've accomplished this. That's awesome. Not minimizing that. But you have never created something out of nothing, right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why do we we say that? Because... um, when we enter into prayer and we are in complete dependence on God, we're humbling ourselves. We're submitting to Him. And that's where verse 6 really starts into this mindset of prayer, I believe. This verse, you guys have heard me say this many, many, many times. This verse alone just transformed my life. If you have a life verse, quote-unquote, this is mine. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Pause there. What, what does this have to do with dependency on God? It has to do with submission. It says, humble yourselves. Why should we humble ourselves? Because the Bible tells us, Peter right there tells us before that, because God opposes the proud, but gives what to the, to the humble? Grace. Gives grace to the humble. We need grace. Every, every last one of you, all of us, we need grace. Without the grace of God, we ain't got nothing. Yeah, but I'm, I'm skilled in this. okay. Who gave you that ability? Who gave you that opportunity? Who gave you the breath in which you have? It's by God's grace we can be who we are. We can be who we be, right? But understand here, it says humble yourself. And if, if we're going to humble ourselves anywhere, if we're going to submit ourselves anywhere, why would we not want to submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God? If we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, it, we can understand how to show humility towards one another. We first and foremost have to submit to God. Under his mighty hand. What does that mean? Under his sovereign control of everything. That's what that means, that mighty hand. Why should we do that? It says here, so at the proper time he may exalt you. That word exalt, it means a, a couple different things. It could, be, it could mean to, uh, to raise to a, a position of adoration and, and raise to a, a position of praise, which that's what's going to happen when we go to, when we're, when we're in glory, because we're going to be in a position where we can see Jesus face to face. It's going to be awesome. But it also can mean to lift up. So, so think about this. If we're thinking about bad situations or bad times or things that are happening in our lives and we're trying to fix things, what we need to do is we need to take a step back and, and remember this, this text. Humble yourself. Why? Or I should say where? Under God's mighty hand, but why? So at the proper time, he's going to lift you up. Well, I'm in a bad situation. The storm is brewing. 
Okay, are you trying to do like the, 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 the Mariners in um, Seattle? Just making sure you're all awake. The, the, the mariners in the book of Jonah, where, where the storm was raging, and they just figured, okay, if we just row a little bit harder, we can make some headway? Are you trying to do that? Or are you saying, okay, wait a second. I'm in a storm. I need to humble myself. I need to submit to God. Because when he sees fit, he, it says he's going to lift me up. He's going to bring me through whatever it is I'm through. He's going to take me out of it, if that's his will, to take me out of the situation. Whatever it may be, it doesn't happen until we humble ourselves before him. How do we humble ourselves? I'm glad you asked. It goes on in verse 7 to say, we do this by casting all our anxieties on him. We, it's been clinically proven, I'm going to use air quotes because I don't know if I believe in all that nonsense or whatever, but statistics say we are the most anxious generation ever. Ever in human history. We, we, we have more anxieties now than, they, than when, they, when, when, when Peter wrote this. What does that tell us? Every single one of us can take those anxieties and use that as a tool and as a, let's say, a vehicle of humbling ourselves. So we're taking our anxieties, whatever they may be. Maybe it's work, maybe it's family, maybe it's finance, maybe it's whatever. Your dog got out, remember we said that, where somebody might be. Maybe that's your anxiety. We could take that anxiety and it says casting it on him. When we cast our anxiety on, on God, that does not mean it, where we just throw it on him and say, oh, I'm done. Whew. I'm glad I'm out of that. We have responsibility in it. The first part is casting our anxieties on him. Why? Anybody know why? Because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I love how it goes right into verse 8, where then it says, okay, you're casting your cares, your, your, your anxieties on him. You're casting everything on him, but you still have responsibility. When we pray, it's not just, oh, I'm praying, whoo, I feel a whole lot better. We still have responsibility. Here it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. There's two actions. How can you be sober-minded? How can you be watchful? You're casting your anxieties, your cares on him. You're, you're, you're putting your dependency on him. You're, 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 you're counting on, let's use that word, you're counting on God to work through you. If you ask yourself, how many times am I counting on God to work through me? What would you come up with? Because more times than not, we pray and then we try to still do it on our own. Instead of counting on God, having faith, oh, God forbid that we, we, we stepped out in faith, right? But having faith that God is going to complete a work in you. Wait a second, I've, I've read that somewhere. That he's going to complete a work in you that he started. How many times do we just try on our own? What we need to do is we need to, we need to understand that, okay, yes, we're, we're casting our anxieties, but we have um, responsibility, but it, that responsibility comes through the power of the Holy Spirit within inside of us. And it goes on to say, why we really, really, really need to do this. Your adversary, the devil, is pr prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You're not good. Just, just say that. I don't, I don't believe you. 
Just say, I- I'm not good. Thank you, Wayne. At least I heard him. Here's it. Why do you need to say it? Because too many times the devil wants us to think, yeah, I'm good. Oh, you're good. You got this. No, you're not good. Now, that's not a negative. I'm I'm not talking negative. This is not negative talk. This is reality. You're not good, but God is. And if we, if we rely on him, if we, if we resist this, 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 this uh, um, uh, enemy, this, this lion that's prowling around, if we identify the lion as one who can snatch us up, who can devour us, like it says, if we identify that and say, you know what, I am not going to be able to face this lion on my own. That's the beginning. It's saying, I, I, I need to depend on God because there's... There's an enemy out there that wants to destroy me. But if we walk around saying, nah, I'm good, you're deceiving yourself. You're falling into the trap of the lion where he can isolate you all by yourself. Don't be the gazelle. You've heard me say that. Don't be the gazelle that gets separated from the herd here and gets devoured by the lion. Because there's there's an enemy out there that wants to to destroy you. Now, I don't think we walk around in fear. Oh, where's the lion? Where's the lion? No, we're confident knowing, man, I'm not good enough. But the Spirit of God who, who resides inside me is. If I've got the full armor of God on, ain't nothing going to stand in my way. I might face an obstacle. I might have to jump this wall or go do... But if God's with me, who can be against me? It goes on to say, resist him firm in your faith. How can we be firm in our faith? That's that strong relationship with God. How does that happen? It's that prayer. It's reading God's word. Understand that this year has to be that. Let's, if we're going to see personal growth, and let's just start there. Let's not even talk about numeric growth in the church or anything. Let's talk about personal spiritual growth. If we're going to see personal spiritual growth within side of this church, it's going to start with prayer. It's going to be, pray for yourself. It is okay to pray for yourself. Pray for your spouse or your kids. Pray for your family. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray for your pastor. He needs a lot of that. Pray, pray, thank you. Pray, 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 pray. When in doubt, pray, right? Next week, we're going we're gonna to talk about the priority of prayer. But what I just want us to get in, in, in the mindset of prayer has great power. That's going to be week three. But prayer does have great power. The fervent prayer of righteous man availeth much. Yes, there's great power when we pray. Never underestimate the, the power of prayer and the importance it is in your walk and in your life with Christ.